It's Thursday, June 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool Pro Brian Hinman. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Hey, hey. Hey, Chris. It's hot out there. I mean, I think it was a week or two ago. I was like, wow, it'd be great if we could, if we could have class outside today. <laughs> so happy to be in the studio today. Uh, we are going to wrap up the week with a couple of retailers, one of them in trouble, one of them expanding, and we will also dip into the full mailbag. Let's start with the struggling retailer, Bed Bath & Beyond. Shares down more than 15% this morning. Uh, Jason, I don't understand. Earnings came in better than expected. What's the problem here? Yes. Earnings did come in better than expected. And uh, before today, it didn't really seem to be struggling. But it looks like Bed Bath & Beyond has come down with a slight case of Amazonitis. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, earnings were okay, but it's their their guidance going forward that I think has everybody spooked. And that's why uh, people can't leave the building fast enough. Margins are coming down. Gross margins are coming down because they're having to sell their stuff for cheaper prices. And uh, the reason they have to do that is because they're competing with other other low cost providers out there, such as Amazon. Uh, the The experience of going into something like a Bed Bath and Beyond, I think, is is it's not one for everybody. It's not awesome. If if I could order that stuff online, I would. And so I think Bed I think that Bed Bath and Beyond is recognizing that. So they're going to be spending a lot of money on building up that e commerce site, new distribution centers, and that's going to crimp earnings here for a little while. And the uncertainty as to whether they're going to be able to sustain their margins going forward is what has everybody leaving today. I was just going to say, Brian, if the margins are coming down and they're admitting we're going to have to spend more money. Uh, it's it's no wonder the stock's getting whacked today. People speak of virtuous circles, yeah. cycles. That's one that goes in the opposite direction. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I hear I hear Amazonitis is hard to cure as it well. Is. Uh, but what I don't understand is why all of a sudden, why all of a sudden you can you, you can always you've always been able to order you know a comforter online or a pillow online. You've always been able to order flatware online. Why all of a sudden is the market having this reaction? Do you think it's an overreaction? I tend to I tend to fall into that camp, yep. uh, but at the same time, uh, perception is reality in the stock market. Everyone is for, is forward looking. So Jason? I definitely think this is an overreaction. I mean, Bed Bath and Beyond, regardless of whether you prefer that experience or would rather buy it online, uh, there is a market out there that that likes this kind of store. And so you know, Bed Bath and Beyond has taken advantage of this by buying out bankrupt linens and things, uh, picking up a few other small little bolt on acquisitions to grow their market share. And I think there always is going to be a market for something like that. So I don't think we're looking at something like a Best Buy situation here where they're just you know eternally doomed. Uh, today is certainly an overreaction, and I believe that if, if it's it's a solid performing company, they've done really well up until now. And if you look at the price today, it's selling for about thirteen and a half times projected full year earnings, which is not a bad deal if you feel like this is going to be a store that's going to hang in there and exist five years down the road. I want to get back to Best Buy in a minute, but first I want to circle back to Amazon. Uh, and Brian, I'll just pick on you first. There are certainly any number of bricks and mortar retailers out there that whether they know it or not, whether they focus on it or not, they are in competition with Amazon. Um, I'm not talking about the 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 biggest players, the Costco's, Target, Walmart, that sort of thing. But when you look at bricks and mortar retailers, is there one or more than one that you think are to an extent Amazon proof that they're just sort of in a situation where it's like, yes, you could buy some of this stuff on Amazon, but our business is such that we're going to be relatively safe, at least when it comes to Amazon. Chris, there isn't one. I think all of them are susceptible to it. And what's problematic for all of these big box retailers is, uh, you know, it costs a lot of money to, to to run these stores. And if even if Amazon is just picking away at them 
on the margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, those marginal sales are the profitable ones, right? Those marginal sales are the ones that help spread out those fis- fixed costs. So I really don't think there are any uh, that are you know truly Amazon proof, uh, except those that have such a fantastic in-store experience um, that shoppers are going there for the experience rather than the convenience or the price. Is Nordstrom a company that you would put think, in that category? I think that's a good example uh, of, of that you know, of, of that phenomenon. But there aren't many. There certainly aren't many. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, not many. And retail, uh, generally speaking, is a very cutthroat, low-margin business. So it's one that's uh, tough to really pick long-term winners. But I do like retail operations like Home Depot. Uh, the other one we talked about the other day here, PetSmart. You know, I think that PetSmart is Amazon-proof to a degree because they provide so much more than just you know, pet food and treats. I mean, the services, the veterinary services, the grooming services, the the pet boarding services. So that's something that separates them a little bit. Certainly not Amazon proof. I mean, Amazon could get in there and take some of that twenty billion dollar food market out of their out of their pocket. But I, I I like their chances better than something like a you know like like just a, a retailer that doesn't do anything to really separate itself. Yeah. The other, the other interesting thing here is uh, you have to take into consideration. Uh, Shipping costs, mm-hmm. right? So, so industries or s- store formats that sell things that are hard to ship, like Jason was saying, Home Depot, um, lend themselves to reasonable defenses against Amazon. And so, if you look at what Best Buy did recently in, a, in acquiring, excuse me, a, a Bed Bath and Beyond did recently in acquiring Cost Plus, Cost Plus sells a lot of furniture, and uh, that's obviously more expensive to ship. It's a little more. Uh, more of a purchase that you want to go, you know, touch and feel type deal. So maybe, maybe on some level, that was an admission uh, that they are suffering from Amazonitis a little bit, and they're trying to diversify their business into something that is uh, a little more Amazon-proof. Uh, let's close with uh, what I'm calling our troubled bricks and mortar retailers bracket. Um, although maybe I should borrow uh, Brian's phrase, which uh, which I, I I really like, eternally doomed. Um, uh, I'm going to spot you up with a few stocks. Dun, dun, dun. You got you got to hold one of these bricks-and-mortar retailers for the next five years. It could be Bed Bath & Beyond, Barnes & Noble, Best Buy, or GameStop. All four bricks-and-mortar retailers, all four under attack. Can right. I go first so I can have the good one? <laughs> Which I one? think we can pick the same one. <laughs> Which each, one do right? you go with? Uh, I'm definitely going Bed Bath & Beyond in that, in that group. Uh, you know, I do like the Cost Plus acquisition. I think there are reasonable reasonable overlaps there. Uh, and then the other piece of it is, uh, if you take the long view here, Bed Bath & Beyond, have uh, they've really been fantastic operators for a long time. So uh, smart guys running the show there. Uh, I think they can figure it out and uh, persist, not eternally doomed. <laughs> yeah, Jason. I agree totally, Bed Bath & Beyond. The other ones have either already or are in the process of messing the bed. <laughs> bed Bath & Beyond hasn't done so yet. I do think that today is an overreaction. There's going to continue to be a market for this type of store and experience, so I'd, I'd by far and away go Bed Bath & Beyond. That's a nice little silver lining for the good <laughs> people at Bed Bath & Beyond. Starbucks is planning to open a Tazo Tea Store in Seattle later this year. The company says it wants to do for tea what it did for coffee. Brian, I was... If not the first, (laughs) I was certainly uh, among the most vocal people on this podcast when Starbucks was rolling out the Via Instant Coffee. I was, of course, proved completely wrong on that one. And yet, I'm skeptical. Chris, you're voting with your dollars, though, aren't you? Aren't you a shareholder? Uh, I'm a shareholder. I'm not voting with my dollars in that I'm uh, finding a tea store and going to it. (laughs) I'm not, you know, unless... 
No, I'm not. I'm not one of those people. So, so convince me that this yeah, is a great well, move. Well, it's sort of like the, the the joke is coming around again, right? The joke is that uh, Howard Schultz walks into a Starbucks, and if there's something that's sitting around collecting dust, he will pick it up, dust it off, and try and monetize it, <laughs> right? It almost happened with furniture, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, people are thinking about Starbucks uh, the wrong way, I think. Uh, at this point, they are not uh, playing by conventional rules. They're not just a, a restaurant tour anymore. I said on a podcast a few weeks ago that they are uh, they're a portfolio of brands at this point. And uh, right now they have some existing brands and they're collecting brands. Uh, the Bay Bread acquisition is a brand uh, that the La Boulange Bakery that they're mm-hmm. going to uh, roll out through their stores, but also grow, you know, grow that franchise. Same thing with Evolution Fresh. Uh, Tazo was a brand that wasn't doing much. They only paid $8 million for it back in 1999, uh, but they were selling their teas in store uh, and selling their teas in grocery stores through their consumer products group. Uh, But it's a brand that uh, they think has legs, can resonate. The tea market uh, globally is huge. Uh, You know, plenty of people drink tea outside the U.S. It's probably less popular in the U.S., uh, than, than coffee. And so our view of this might be a little skewed. Um, but I really think that, you know, they're not committing much here. They're saying, we're going to open one store. We're going to test this out. We're going to focus on tea-based beverages. They're also going to sell loose leaf teas. Uh, and so really what this is, their, their, their ability to, to succeed here is as much about uh, putting out, putting forth a Starbucks experience, you know, that third place environment yep. as it is you know, it has, it has to do with, with tea itself. Uh, Jason, I'm skeptical, but clearly some people in the stock market are um, convinced or at least voting uh, in such a way that they think this is going to succeed. Because if you look at Tivana Holdings, <laughs> um, shares down 6% today. The stock is at an all-time low. Clearly, there are people who think this spells bad things for a company like Tivana Holdings. Well, when you have Starbucks, you know, banging at your front door, telling that, telling you they want in. I mean, you, you, people are going <laughs> to. We be love scared. your business. We, <laughs> think, we, we yeah. love it so much. We're going to go into it ourselves. <laughs> Brian made a very good point there. Starbucks is much more than just a retail brand. I think Howard Schultz would agree. They're basically creating or building a lifestyle. And, I mean, it started just simply with coffee, but now, I mean, they're building that out from the Evolution Fresh acquisition, uh, the La Boulange, now this effort to roll out the tea stores. And it's going to be really fun to watch what they do next. They're going to try some things that are going to fail. They're going to try some things that succeed in certain areas, maybe not in others, selling wine and beer in certain stores. Remember, they introduced that concept. I think some people probably laughed it off, but in the, you know, the eight to ten stores they're doing that, it's very successful. It's been well-received. And so, I mean, you have to really appreciate a, a company that's willing to take these kinds of chances. And, and it's, it's really nothing to lose here. I mean, they try one store. If it doesn't work, that's great. Well, they tried it. But but I do think that Starbucks is doing a really good job of taking that brand and leveraging it into more of a lifestyle as, as time goes on. The the Tivana angle here is really interesting. Um, Rick Munara, is a colleague of ours, wrote an article on Fool.com called Will Starbucks Save Tivana? Uh, and I stumbled across the article uh, and was having the same thoughts in my mind that uh, oftentimes uh, this sort of competition isn't uh, isn't a bad thing. And so you don't necessarily have to take the, the stance that Starbucks entering this market means death for Tivana, which is down 6% or so today on reaction to this news. Uh, really what it is is it you know, provides a huge microscope to tea-based beverages and loose-leaf teas and you know, Tivana on some on some level is probably cheering this move that 
you know, tea is finally going to be brought, you know, brought forth to the public spotlight. Uh, and, you know, if tea in general, you know, as a beverage choice increases in popularity, that's going to benefit them far more than it's going to hurt them. Starbucks has one store or it's going to have one store. I mean, in the long run, yes, they're going to need to get their act together, operate their stores better, probably make a shift away from just selling loose leaf teas to more beverage-based business. Uh, but there's precedent here. Uh, Rick pointed out that uh, people were very scared that Evolution Fresh, McDonald's smoothies, Burger King smoothies were going to kill Jamba Juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jamba Juice was struggling for a while. But as soon as uh, McDonald's and Burger King and all of these other offerings started coming out with their fresh fruit smoothies, uh, it brought light to you know fruit smoothies it starts becoming public discourse again how healthy these things are uh gets put out in front of the public and people start going to jamba juice again they've been blowing the doors off with same store sales numbers so uh these these types of moves uh, aren't necessarily death for the uh the players that are already in the market what is the thing that investors should be watching with respect to Starbucks. We've talked about these recent moves they've made with Evolution Fresh, now with Tazo Tea, the La Boulange. What's the thing to watch to see if any of these are making a material impact on the bottom line? And should we expect one to break through in a meaningful way sooner than the others. What do you think? Well, Evolution Fresh is first on deck. You know, that's sort of uh, the most aggressive expansion plans are going to come there. But I think where you should look at it uh, in Starbucks is, is two areas. You should keep an eye on their consumer products group revenue. Uh, they sold about a billion dollars uh, through the retail, you know, through uh Grocery channels mm-hmm. uh, under these these other brands, right? That's what they're selling in that in that in that line of business. And so, if the brands start to resonate, uh, they're going to push them through other retail channels, and you'll see growth starting to come there. Whereas, if you just look at their restaurant-based business, they're going to get the the results are going to get lost in the shuffle. And the other area that you that you need to keep an eye on is just to make sure that uh, the the relationship between Starbucks the customer and and Starbucks the restaurant uh, remains strong because that is really what is going to be the key to uh, you know driving adoption main- and if that trust is maintained uh, Starbucks is going to be able to screw up from time to time and they're also going to be able to try try out you know new brand extensions you can always drop us an email radio at fool.com a couple of emails uh, we've gotten recently on our discussion the other day about pets. Uh, email from Bill Velasquez in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, to specifically answer your question about undervalued pets, because we're talking <laughs> which pets are undervalued or, uh, and overvalued. He says, rescue pets are undervalued. Visit your local shelter. He is the president of the New Mexico House Rabbit Society. For more information, you can just go to rabbit.org. Um, but uh, there's also, yeah, rabbit.org. Uh, but there's also, uh, there's also rescue turtles. And Bill writes, it's a little, it's a little known fact that the uh, local rescue takes in mostly male turtles because in the spring, it is the males that escape from people's backyards and go on walkabouts looking for females. Oh, those crazy male turtles. Well, you know, Chris, I actually rescued a turtle once when I was a kid. Did you? I found it right in the middle of the road. You know, I was like five or six or something. It was like the coolest thing ever. And so I found him in the middle of the road. I got him, took him home. And, you know, of course, my mom and dad taught me to let him go back. But before I did, I painted my initials up on his shell <laughs> and then let him go back into that, the pond. That probably didn't help him with the lady turtles. No. 
They're like, what's that tattoo? It's like, ah, some kid got me. Uh, Email from Bruce Mann, uh, who uh, weighed in on our discussion that we had recently, Brian, about the dollar stores. He writes, I just got back from a three-week trip to Alaska and caught up on all your podcasts in the last couple of days. It helps to listen to you while cruising around on my Harley, which, by the way, that's just a great image. That's awesome. Uh, My wife and I ride our bikes often on vacations and usually through the back roads in more rural areas. Last summer, we rode through West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee and saw many dollar stores, often with two or three different dollar store brands right next to each other. That makes it easy to comparison shop. You don't even have to get back into your car to go to the next store. <laughs> now that's convenience. And he signs it, listener number 27 out of your dozens of listeners. Bruce, I love it. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the mental image, and I might uh, commission you for some uh, feet-on-the-street research for me. Do you think we could safely bump it from dozens of listeners to hundreds of listeners at this point in the game? I don't no? know. Max saying no. Max saying no. No, I, I, like, I, I, think, I think we're a dozen. And, you know, I mean, Bruce, Bruce <laughs> self-identifying himself as listener number 27. So, I mean, putting the bar out there for other people. <laughs> Drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Jason Moser, Brian Hinman. Guys, thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday. All righty. I would like to rescue a giant tortoise. Like from the Galapagos Islands? Take him to like the beach and ride him. Oh, man, that would be That'd so be awesome. Cool. Have you seen those things? They're huge. Yeah, but, I mean, they're giant I'd be afraid he'd be <laughs> Yeah, it, w- it would. Chomp you. I think it would be awesome. Snap they seem really off. easy to take care of. They don't really move. How psyched do you think they're going to be that you just pick them up and, like, try and get them into your car? I would give them a very nice spot in my so yard. they have, like, the real-life size ones. I may be wrong, but I don't think you're supposed to rescue animals from the Galapagos. <laughs> <laughs> like Thanks a lot, Darwin! I rescued a bear from the woods. I was, like, really? I was saving him from his natural intended habitat. <laughs> <laughs>